Well, good morning, Life Church. It's good to see you all. Uh, my name is Pastor Matt Jansen. I am one of the pastors here at Life Church as of four months ago. Time just keeps ticking, doesn't it? And I'm so grateful and glad to be with you this morning. I am married to this beautiful woman on the front row, Tanya. We have three kids, and uh, I'm 40. It's true. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It's true. I'm there. I don't feel any different. I don't. I was a little scared. Actually, for my 40th birthday, I went snowboarding, okay? And, and that's a big deal because I haven't been snowboarding in 20 years. And I was talking to Graham last week, and he was like, do you know that for people over 40, if you're starting snowboarding, the chances of getting injured is 100%? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guess what? I didn't get injured. Boom. It's like riding a bike. It was so much fun. So much fun. So, yes, I like snowboarding, apparently, after 20 years. I still do. And uh, something you may not know about me is that I like root beer. There you go. Now you know. I know that's important. Deep stuff, right? Well, this morning, church, we are continuing our series on greater than. And the big idea is this, that 2020 is here. We don't know what we're about to experience. We know there's going to be some great highs. There's going to be some lows as well. But in the midst of all that, we know that our God is greater. Amen. We know that our God is greater. And so the scriptures, we're going to read our, our, our foundational scripture here in Psalm 145, verse 3. It says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. Come on, we can never find out. We can never search out. We can never discover the extent of God's greatness because he is. That first week we talked about, actually, Pastor John kicked it off with a great message on the anchor. This is so good about the anchor. And we know that as we go through these highs and lows, there's some anchors that hold us in place. And that is that God is greater. We talked about that God is greater than our vision. He's greater than what we see. What do you see? We talked about how God is doing things all around us all the time, but do you see it? Are you aware of his presence all around us? Last week, Pastor Mike did a great message on God is greater than sin. Amen. God is greater than sin. Come on. The devil wants you to sin so he can call you a sinner, but God calls you righteous. He became sin that you might become the righteousness of God in him. Amen. So you are righteous today. You have never been so righteous. Turn to the person beside you and say, man, you look righteous today. You have never been so righteous as you are today. And today, I will be preaching on the subject, God is greater than sickness. God is greater than sickness. One more verse here. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Speaking of Jesus, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you this morning for your word. I thank you that your word is powerful, God. That it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That it divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns the intents of the heart. God, that your word will accomplish what it is set out to do and it will not return void. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that you would give me an unction as your vessel to speak your word with power and authority. Father, I pray that you would speak through me. That you would help me to get out of the way so that you can do whatever you want to do this morning, Lord God. We come with great expectations because great is our God. And everybody said, amen. Well, one of the things I didn't tell you earlier, and some of you may already be aware of this, is that I am actually a pastor's son. 
Uh, my dad was a youth pastor for 16 years in Chilliwack at a church called Glad Tidings, which is now called City Life Church. And so I grew up as a pastor's kid. And there's certain non-negotiables when you're a pastor's kid. And one of those is this. When those doors are open, you're there. I, we had to go to every single service. And I don't know if you guys might have had this when, when you were a little bit younger. But when I was growing up, church was two times a Sunday. We had a Sunday morning service, which was kind of the sanitized service where everybody would go to. And then we had the Sunday evening service. And my church was kind of a charismatic church. So Sunday evening is when all the stuff would happen. Right? That's when you would have, you know, sister so-and-so dancing around the sanctuary. And you would have brother so-and-so falling under the power of God. And then in the corner over here, we'd have the laughing corner. And people would be laughing under the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we would experience all these things in the church on a Sunday night. And I'll never forget one particular Sunday night. I was about 15 years old. And there was a preacher that was preaching on healing. I don't remember the message, but it must have been something along the lines of healing requires faith. So you need to take a step of faith to believe that God can heal you. So let's all stand together and let's pray for healing. And I want you to put your own hand on your own thing that you need to have healed. And I want you to pray and I want you to ask God what you need to do today to receive that healing. Something along those lines. I don't know if it was exactly it, but let's just say it was along those lines. And so I I stood up and I realized, you know, I don't really have a lot of ailments sicknesses per se, but one thing that you may not be aware of is that I wear contact lenses. Did you know that? Yeah, I wear contacts. So if I don't have contacts on, I have to wear glasses. And so I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if God just gave me supernatural laser surgery right now, if I just got this? And so I put my hands on my eyes and I started praying, praying really hard. Oh God, I believe it. I trust you. I know that you can do it. Ah, nothing. But then I realized I really couldn't tell because I still had my contacts in. So I started just to pray a little bit more. And then I felt like the Lord was speaking to me and saying, if you really want to be healed, what? You're laughing. If you really want to be healed, what I want you to do is I want you to, by faith, pull out your contact lenses. Now, you have to understand, these are not disposable contact lenses, and I didn't pay for them. But I am a man of faith. So I stood there and I said, okay, Lord, if that's what it's going to take today to step out in faith and receive this healing, then I'm going to go ahead and do that. And so I stood up and I walked back to the bathroom and I pulled out my contact lenses and I held them in my hand by faith. And I said, okay, Lord, let's do this. I believe. And I swallowed my contact lenses. And? Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And I prayed, and I prayed, and I put my hands on my eyes, and nothing happened. And and I remember going home that night. I wonder what you you guys were probably thinking. I was crazy or something. I don't know. But, but, you know, I had to tell my mom, and she, what? (laughs) You did what? Yeah, I swallowed my contact lenses. By faith, mom, by faith. Come on. And so they had to, I had to wear glasses for about a month, and then mom and dad bought me some new contact lenses because they are gracious and compassionate. Thank you. And full of mercy. And they bought me new contact lenses. So that day I was not healed. But in spite of that story, I have a conviction that our God can heal anybody. And I have a conviction that God is greater than sickness. I have a conviction of that. You say, Matt, why do you have that conviction? Well, I'm going to tell you. And here's how this is going to work today. 
in the interest of time, I'm going to jump right into this, but we're going to lay down a foundation in the scriptures for sickness and healing. Okay, I'm going to kind of explain to you the thought process that we're going to come from, and then I'm going to give you four thoughts about sickness and healing today. Okay, you guys with me? You guys ready? All right, let's do this. Okay, first of all, this. The concept of this sermon series is that if we don't know the future, but we know that there's highs and lows, and there are some anchors that we need to have in place to carry us through. Because what you foundationally believe about a subject will determine your response to God created a garden, the Garden of Eden. And in that garden, he put two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life. And he said to Adam and Eve, who were in the garden, he says, you can eat of any tree in the garden that you want to, but do not eat of the tree of the garden of, of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you do, you will surely die. So time progresses. We don't know how much time because they lived forever back then. So it could have been a long time. But eventually what happens is that, he, that Eve is tempted by the serpent and she tastes the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then she gives it to her husband, Adam, and he also tastes that fruit. And when that happens, the event happens called the fall. You might ask, well, why would God put a choice in there? Why would he give give them a choice? I'll just say this, and I won't unpack it, but in order for love to be fulfilled, it requires a choice. So God gave them a choice, an opportunity to worship. And they chose to sin against God. And when that happened, um, in the book of Genesis 3, we have the first mention of suffering. And Jesus, uh, God says to Eve, he says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Kevin Connor, in his book, Foundations of Christian Doctrine, says it this way. When sin came into the world, man's body with its senses became subjected or subject to perverted instincts, sickness, and death. There was order. And now suddenly there was chaos. We sang about that this morning. Who brings chaos who brings order out of our chaos there was chaos the garden is like this puzzle there's order there's a picture you can see it the fall is like this there's disorder and there's chaos but what god began to do immediately and what he is doing even today is he began to restore that order and that is what our God is doing. He is in the business of restoring. Now, how does that impact us? Well, just like Adam and Eve sinned, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We heard about this last week, that we have all missed his glorious standard. The Bible also tells us that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And when the Bible speaks of death, it speaks of decay and brokenness. It's not just a natural death that it's speaking of, but it's also a spiritual death that separates us from God. Sin separates us from God. But what God is doing is restoring all things. And how is he doing this? Well, first of all, there is no sickness in heaven. Revelation 21 verse 4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death and no more sorrow, no more crying, and there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So we know that in eternity, God is restoring all things, giving us a new body and a new heaven and a new earth. How does God interact with sickness here and now and suffering here and now? 
The first way is, I believe through common grace. I believe that God has created our bodies with the power to heal themselves. He set in motion physical laws that bring about healing. And we also have medical advances that allow us to aid in that natural process. But sometimes God also heals by superseding or speeding up those natural processes. God is able to heal instantaneously. Matthew 9, 12, Jesus says, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Saying, hey, look, you you can go see a doctor. That's a natural way to be healed. But God also revealed himself in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 15. He says this, he says, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I brought on the Egyptians, For I am the Lord who heals you. How does God interact with sickness? This is how he introduces himself. And his name in this case is Jehovah Rapha. The God who heals. In Psalm 103 it says he heals all our diseases. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. God heals our diseases. The ultimate revelation of who God is, is found in Jesus. Because we know that when Jesus came and he spoke to his disciples, he said, I have come to reveal the Father. In John 14, 7, he says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And now on you, uh, now on you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father. It is sufficient for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long that you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? And what did Jesus do? He came to show us the Father. Every person that Jesus prayed for was healed. What is the heart of God? God is restoring us. God is bringing us back into order. That's what he's doing constantly, consistently. And it's a process. That he began at the garden. It came to fruition at the cross, and we see it in Jesus. Matthew eight sixteen. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Matthew nine thirty five. Then Jesus went about all the cities, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And Jesus went about all Galilee in Matthew 4.23, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people. And then his fame went through all of Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demons-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. In fact, when John said, hey, how do I know that you really are who you say you are? John the Baptist says, hey, who is this guy? I've heard about him. Who is this guy? Is he really is? Who, who, how do I know this? And Jesus' response to him is this. Go tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. How do you know that I come from God? Because I represent him like this. With restoration. You see, the glory of God is always revealed in restoration. Again, sometimes that happens instantaneously and supernaturally, and sometimes that happens in eternity. Actually, it will always happen in eternity. 
But God is always restoring. God is always restoring. Now also, how does that interact with us? Jesus taught us to pray. He says, I want you to pray like this. I want you to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven where there is no sickness and there is no disease. He says, I want you to pray this way and believe for this. Jesus gave the disciples and therefore the church the charge to heal the sick and raise the dead. Mark Mark chapter 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. They will take up servants and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The disciples prayed for healing. In Acts chapter 4, verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that we may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And finally, Jesus took our sickness on the cross. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows, yet we have seen him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Also, God gives the believers the gift of healing. In 1 Corinthians twelve nine, it says, To another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit. In James chapter 5, it says, If anyone is sick among you, let him call the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. So that's what the heart of God is towards sickness. Is he is restoring all things. Now here's my four thoughts. You with me? I got four thoughts. Here's the first one. God is always restoring us. God is always restoring us. The fact that I stand here today, I'm just going to, this is not, don't, this is about sickness. This is about restoring, okay, in general. God restores us spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally. He restores us in every way. He restores my soul, the Bible says. The fact that I stand here today is not God's endorsement of my righteousness. It's not God saying, look at Matt, he's so great. I can honestly tell you that the fact that I stand here today is is, is evidence that his grace is restoring me. That God is working in me today both to will and to do for his good purpose. And all the glory goes to him. In the book of Corinthians, it says this, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Come on, there is a process of salvation that God is working out. And ultimately, that restoration will be revealed in eternity. But until then, I know that my God is greater than sickness. See, I may not see it, Every day, but I know that my God is greater than sickness. In 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Come on, we live in a fallen world where there is sickness and there is suffering. But inside, God is renewing us and preparing us for eternity. Come on. Ultimately, that is always what God is doing. 
Listen, sometimes that happens instantaneously. Um, Lee Ramsell, do you want to come up? I'm going to have Lee just share a testimony with you about how God miraculously spoke, uh, touched him and healed him. Sometimes it happens instantaneously. Sometimes God comes supernaturally and supersedes the laws of nature and brings instant healing. I just want to share with you uh, what happened last year. Uh, we had, well, just a little while ago, we had five days of prayer as well at, at the other uh, location. And wonderful things happened then too. But uh, last year, we had five days of prayer. And Mike had brought in a special prayer team of healing and uh, but before that the night before I had a person pray for my right shoulder and nothing happened and then uh, during the healing team I had them pray for my right shoulder nothing happened Uh, we prayed for Paula's left shoulder and miraculously she was healed and on the Sunday she gave her testimony and as she was giving her testimony about her her left shoulder being healed instantly the Lord just spoke to me and said, why don't you ask Paula to pray for you again, you know, after the service. So after the service, I went over there, and most of the time I'm not too obedient, but this time I was, <laughs> praise the Lord. And I went over there, and as soon as I sat down on the chair beside Paula, like I could feel something. I was like 80% healed. I asked Paula to heal or to pray for me again, and it, it was like, bam, 10% more healing. So I was 90% healed at that time. And so since that time, I'm like 95% healed. And I went to the doctor, and I told the doctor, I, I just had an MRI before this, so I didn't know the results yet. So I went to the doctor, and I told her about my healing before she read the MRI. Then she read the MRI, and she says, yeah, you got... Uh, Three complete heal- or three uh, three tears and one complete tear, and she said, "Let me see your movement in your arm, your right arm," and and I moved it around. She says, "Yeah, they won't even consider operating on that." But before that, it was progressively getting worse and worse and worse. So praise the Lord, the Lord loves us. Thanks, Lee. Amen. Praise God. Love it. Come on, I believe that God is here today to heal. He can heal you. And sometimes he does it instantaneously, but sometimes he does it in eternity. We experienced that, um, I've experienced that a number of times, um, but um, about five years ago, there was a young man in our church at Southgate, probably late 20s, early 30s, who was diagnosed with terminal cancer, leukemia. And um, we prayed as a church for him consistently. We had special prayer meetings for him. We had fasted and prayed. Um, our kids at the time, uh, Ashley would have been about four, Josiah would have been about six, and Aubrey would have been about one. And we would pray with them every night for, for Mr. Steve, and we would pray for him every single night, and believing that God would heal him. And um, in October of that year, 2014, we received the news in the morning that he had passed away, leaving behind a wife and a young child. And my wife was driving with my kids and thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to tell these kids? And um, she goes, hey, guys. And they're like, yeah, I got to tell you something. She goes, "Um, you know, Mr. Steve, we've been praying for him every night. Yeah. Well, God chose to heal him in a different way. And he chose to bring him home 
to be with him. And from the back seat, my four-year-old daughter said, I knew it. And Tanya looked back and said, excuse, what, Ashlyn, what do you mean you knew it? And Ashlyn said, Mommy, I had a dream last night. And Mr. Steve was with Jesus. And he was worshiping. And I could see him there with Moses and other people as well. And I knew that that's where he was. God is always restoring. God is always restoring. Pastor Mike and I were chatting about this the other day, and he shared the scripture from 1 Corinthians 15, where it says that the last enemy is death. And God will even destroy and defeat that. Sometimes healing happens instantaneously, and sometimes it's in eternity. But my God is greater than sickness. Number two, healing is not a formula. If it were, we would not need a relationship. I wish I could stand here today and tell you, guys, I've discovered the secret. Okay, this is how we're going to do it. This is life, church. This is what we're going to do, okay? We're all going to stand on our left foot. And then we're going to stick a finger in the air to receive. And then we're going to pray just like this. <gasps> and I would give you a formula. And then every time we did that, there would be a healing. It doesn't work that way. In fact, throughout the Bible, there's lots of examples of healing that take place in very unique ways. In John chapter 11, Lazarus is called forth from death. In Matthew 9, the woman with the issue of blood had to touch the hem of Jesus' garment to be, to be healed. In Acts chapter 5, there's stories of Peter's shadow touching people and healing them. In Acts chapter 19, there's stories of cloths that had touched Paul that are brought to the sick and they're healed as they're touching those cloths. In John 9, verse 6, there's a story of Jesus spitting into the dirt and pulling up some mud and rubbing it in the eyes of a blind man. And he is healed. There's no formula for healing. Why? Because God is always after something more important. And that is your heart. God is always after our heart. God would desire that we would know him. And that we would seek him. And if we could have this all figured out on our own, then the temptation and the natural inclination of a human being would be to try and do it on ourse by ourselves. But God wants us close to him, walking with him, and in relationship with him. We must maintain an attitude of thankfulness. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Ann Voskamp, the author of 1,000 Gifts, says this, Eucharisto, thanksgiving, always precedes the miracle. Why am I talking about thankfulness when I'm talking about sickness and healing? If we can learn to look for the miracles that are around us every day, then our faith will grow. And Voskamp says, remembering that with thanks is what causes us to trust, to really believe. If we can grow an attitude of thankfulness and we can look for the good and we can look for the miracles and we can look for the things that God is doing, 
then it builds faith within us and allows us to agree with God that he is greater than sickness. Thankfulness confirms your faith that God is great and he is greater than anything. Amen? And so we maintain an attitude of thankfulness. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you've begun. Thank you that you who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it. That you are restoring me and you're renewing me even now in my physical body. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is a spirit that quickens my body and is restoring me even now. And I thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that I have another day on this planet to breathe. I thank you, Lord God, that today is better than yesterday. Thank you, Lord God. That your grace is sufficient for me. It's an attitude of thankfulness. Come on. Amen. And here's the last thought today. Maintain a but if not attitude. And of course, here's what I'm referring to. The story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Four young Hebrew boys who were taken from their home taken captive by the Babylonians, and the king Nebuchadnezzar comes up with this brilliant idea to build this massive statue and build a fire in it, and then he makes this law that every time the band plays, that everybody needs to stop where they are and bow down to this statue. And these three young Hebrew boys say, no way, we're not going to bow. And they're brought before the king, and they're threatened with death. He says, if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you into that fiery furnace. And these three boys look up at him and say this. They said, our God is able to save us from the fire. He's able to deliver us out of the fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. <laughs> but if not, let it be known, O king, that we, we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image that you set up. There is an anchor that holds us secure. And that is that, that is that our God is greater. His greatness is unsearchable. He is greater than sin. And our God is greater than sickness. And we believe that he is able to deliver us and to heal us immediately. But if not, but if not, we will not bow. We will stand in faith and we will believe that our God is greater. Amen? We will stand in faith and we will believe that our God is greater. He is greater. Come on. Come on. Amen. I just, man, I just got this song in my heart as we're just saying that. Just, you are worthy. You are worthy of your name. You are worthy. You are worthy of your name. You are worthy. You are worthy of your name. You are worthy. You are worthy of your name. Yes, you are. You are greater. Yes, you are. You are greater, yes you are, you are greater, yes you are.